This is Womb, the podcast that celebrates the power of rebirth. I'm your host, Nova Cobbin, and on this show, we'll hear from amazing women who dared to rediscover who they are. Women who reignited long-lost passions, took bold leaps of faith, and reimagined their futures in ways they never thought possible. Each week, we'll be inspired by the stories of strength, courage, and resilience. Stories that remind us it's never too late to start anew. There are always second chances, new beginnings, and opportunities for rebirth. So join us as we explore the journeys of phenomenal women who reinvented themselves and created the lives they've always dreamed of. Welcome to Womb Rebirth. Let's go. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Womb Rebirth podcast. I am here today with the lovely Nicola Rowley. Nicola, welcome. Thanks so much, Nova. It's brilliant to be here. So Nicola, we are going to be talking about your rebirth story today. Um, But before we do, can you just give us a little introduction to yourself and what you do and what you're about? Yeah, of course. My name is Nicola Rowley and I've worked in the media now for 25 plus years. We won't go into too much of the plus, but there's a plus there. Um, And I started off as a journalist and I was working in newsrooms nationally and internationally before I even moved across into PR, which is what I do now. And I help uh, brands and female founders get visible in the media through strategic storytelling and really understanding what their story is and how the angles from their story can actually help them to land more media so that they're seen more and then therefore can go on and impact the lives of others through what it is that they do. Amazing. And I I love, uh, you and I have worked together quite a lot now, Nicola. And uh, for those of you listening, Nicola's helped me a lot with my visibility and really honing in on my own story. So we're turning the tables a little bit today, Nicola. We are looking at your story um, and how that's impacted you and how you have more of an impact in the world as a result of your story. So where would you like us to begin to understand the rebirth that you went through? I was 40. And up until that point in my life, I'd always been very driven, very career focused. But up until my son came along when I was 40, you know, like most people, I think, you know, we reach a point where we've just allowed life to happen to us. I hadn't necessarily I I kind of just thought right I want to work in that place and I want to work in that place and I want to work in that place and I climbed the ladder and I went to all the different places especially when I was a journalist I was very focused next year I'm going to be working in tv next year I'm going to be doing this then I'm going to be doing that and what I found was when I moved across into PR I started off working in an agency and it was it was great, um, albeit it was a little bit of a shock to the system in terms of the amount of hours that you were expected to work. Um, it was it was all really good. And I was a publicity manager by this point and I was working for a TV network and I loved what I did. And I was able to do press trips, traveling all over the world. And it all sounds very, very glamorous, but I was allowing my life to just happen to me. And then my son came along, a little bit of a shock to the system. When you're used to be able to do everything and 
be able to go here, there and everywhere at the drop of a hat, all of a sudden, with a small person in tow, everything changed. And when he was born, within 48 hours, he was rushed up to NICU, which is the neonatal intensive care unit, um, because his blood sugar levels dropped dangerously low and they had to put him on life support. So we went from me being a what would be termed as a geriatric mum, which is ridiculous. I was age 40, <laughs> but they call you geriatric. And he was, we were separated. And what it did was it kick-started separation anxiety. Now, obviously, you know this, Nova, through what you do, but that obviously then plays back to something that has gone on before previously in your own childhood. And there is nothing uh, like opening a Pandora's box than when you have a child of your own, because everything resurfaces, even if you weren't aware that there were any issues. So I had separation anxiety. I was trying to deal with the fact that he was on a different floor to me. i quite frequently be wandering the hotel uh, hotel hospital corridors at 3 a.m in the morning because I had to express my milk so that he could be fed through a syringe at that moment in time um and this went on for a good kind of 10 days and then eventually he became strong enough and was able to come home but by that point because I hadn't had any support um, in terms of kind of, you know, like counselling or anything else, I was really struggling with everything. And I think, I think it's fair to say that I had undiagnosed postnatal depression and he was a really bad sleeper. So he woke every two hours. I'm sure a lot of people, if you're mums and you're listening to this, you will resonate with this. And I literally, by about four months, I was on my knees. I couldn't go through anything else. And the crunch time for me actually came when I was due to return to work now bearing in mind that it was a job that I previously absolutely loved I'd won loads of awards and I'd run massive campaigns flying all over the world and everything else well all of a sudden I found that my perspective had completely shifted um I previously said to them oh I'll see you in nine months and I'll be back and all the rest of it well I extended it to a year because I couldn't possibly not spend that additional three months with him and when I went back I just massively struggled and I initially spent most of the time in between doing my work crying in the toilets because I just missed him so much and overnight I became a shell of my former self I hated the fact that someone else was bringing him up and I couldn't quite get my head around the whole thing. And everything came to a head one rainy night. Um, it was October and it must have been October 2015. And I was stuck on the A3. And the A3 is a big road um, between London and Surrey, which is where we live. And 
I remember the rain was just, it was like sheet rain coming down and the windscreen wipers were going. And I remember just thinking, oh, thank heavens for that. Because the people either side of me in stationary traffic couldn't see that I was having an absolute meltdown behind the wheel of my car. And we weren't going anywhere. And that was the problem. This was always the problem. I had to start work for 8am so I missed seeing him wake up in the morning I wasn't getting to see him at all I was getting to see him for only two hours Monday to Friday every day and there I was stuck in traffic not able to get back to him because I had to work till five there was no flexibility on that whatsoever and so because of that um there I was stuck in traffic just thinking well what is this? This isn't the reason that I became a mum. This isn't the reason that I wanted to do any of this. Actually, the reason that I became a mum in the first place, someone asked me when I was pregnant and I was about to give birth and I said, no, the reason that I want to become a mum is because I have so much love to give. It's wrong for me to hold that just to myself I want to pass it on to a child and I want to nurture them and be able to bring them through the world and everything else and there I was stuck in traffic and I picked him up from the nursery that night and because I was so late getting there and this had been like the second or third time that week that I'd been late because of traffic and everything else and always to do with tied up with you can only leave at this time and you can't do this and you can't do that he was just bundled into the car. So I had no idea what kind of a day he'd had. He couldn't tell me, he was only one. Um, and by the time I'd done the milk, the, you know, the bath time, the, you know, read the story routine and he was in bed, I just sat down and I was broken. And I cried and cried and cried that night. And I was like, why am I doing this? Um, what do I actually want out of this? And quite a few things came to the fore. The first thing was, I need to find a purpose. I need to understand where I am going. And so the first thing that I did was I wrote down, um, I want to be able to help inspire and motivate uh, children to have a love of reading and writing. So that was my first one. And then I was like, well, I also want to support working mums. So those were my initial kind of like, right, this is what I'm going to do. And so I went off and the first thing that I did was I'm very project orientated. I like to have a goal. I like to work towards something. So while I'd been on maternity leave, I had sat down and I'd written a children's book called James and the Amazing Gift. And I was like, well, I should, maybe I should do something with that. I have no idea what to do with it, but maybe I should look at doing that. Because if you really want to inspire children to have a love of reading and writing, you've seen the impact that that has on James, my son. He loves turning the pages of a book and he's only one but it's helped him so much imagine more for himself imagine what else is in the world and so that's what I did I found a way to self-publish 
James and the Amazing Gift. And then got the books. They were all delivered. It was all very exciting. You know, Mm -hmm. I was like, right, okay. So now what I need to do is go out there with this book and I need to PR it. And I looked around and even though I'd been working in PR for eight years at that point, um, had a wealth of experience behind me, I still felt like, well, I've not done book publicity, so therefore I need to find someone else to help me. And I couldn't find anyone that had specific book publicity experience who would help me. In the end, I invested in a couple of ladies who did their best, but I didn't really get anywhere. And it was at that point I had a stern talking to myself and I was just like, look, if you're gonna do this, if you love books so much and you're really passionate about this, you have to go for it. I basically started PRing the book myself. And that included looking at the story. What was the story behind James and the Amazing Gift? Why was it that, this character came to life and spread happiness through that small act of kindness that it made a big difference to everyone else. And then I started being featured in the Daily Mirror and Woman and Home magazine and a local radio station and everywhere else. And it just grew and grew and grew. And I became a blogger for the Huff Post. And I was like, you know obviously at this point we're selling like hundreds of copies of the book and I was just like you didn't need anyone else and it was like stern talking to that made me kind of just be like Nick you can do this you don't need anyone else you've got all the contacts you've got everything in place but I guess the thing is when you return to work after maternity leave your confidence is at rock bottom so not only was my confidence at rock bottom because obviously you've had that year out but also I didn't feel like I got any support when I did return and so I was trying to deal with all of the things myself and separation anxiety is now it's known as you know it's a mental health issue it's not something that you can just brush under the carpet and I tried everything I tried talking therapy and I tried to get myself out from feeling so low um I think the book helped the book definitely helped but I had to really really work on my mindset and get myself into I can do this I'm gonna find a way to be able to get myself from where I am to where I want to be. And I don't know how that's going to work right now, but I'm going to take one step at a time. So I took redundancy from the job that was telling me I had to work eight till five, Monday to Friday. And I ended up at BBC Worldwide, and which is now BBC Studios. And I was working internationally, but it was a maternity cover contract. So there was an end in sight. And I was like, okay, fine. And in between all of that, I brought out the book and that was great. And I was like, right, when I got to the end of that year's contract, they were like, do you want to stay? What do you want to do? And I was like, no, I'm out. I'm gone. I'm, you know, I need to be free. But I didn't really have a plan in place. I just knew that I wanted to be free. I had so much to give, but I just, I didn't have my plan and everything sorted. 
And one of my best friends came to me and she said, could you do me a favor because you're you're around and you could freelance? Could you um, come in and look after Thorpe Park for me for a weekend? We've got the uh, filming for the X Factor auditions taking place at Thorpe Park. Nick, I know you can parachute in. You will oversee it and you will smash it. She was the head of PR at Thorpe Park at the time. And I was like, yeah, of course. And that was like my dream. And they paid really well. And I went in for the weekend. I'd worked all the hours under the sun and it didn't matter. And it was all good and everything else. And I absolutely loved it. And it then led to me becoming the head of PR when she left. And I was there for a year. And in that year, I took the job knowing that I was going to leave a year later but it gave me a year to get a plan into place now at the time what I was also doing was doing photography so I'd always loved photography and I'd set up my photography business in 2013 in the October and then found out I was pregnant with Jay in the November which wasn't great to be quite honest but I'd had weddings and I was doing family shoots and all kinds of things of fitting it in around the work at the same time. So it was very busy. But what I thought I could do is leave Thorpe Park and I will photograph loads of weddings because people are prepared to pay for weddings in advance. So that's the money all sorted. And I began uh, January 2018 with eight weddings booked in knowing that if I was going to hand my notice in in May 2018 in time for August to leave so that when James started school and I could finally be that mum on the school gates that I'd always dreamt that I was going to be that I would have enough weddings booked in and I went from eight to 25 oh. running the press office of Thought Park with very, very busy, very demanding role. Um, being there for James as much as possible. It was half an hour journey to and from my house to get to the park. So that was amazing. And I worked Monday to Thursday in the office. Friday, I had off with him. And so I would, I'd basically work towards more of a balance. I then had more balance in my life, although invariably I was always on the phone on a Friday because something happened but it meant that I could take him swimming and we could go to Chessington World of Adventures and we could do all kinds of things as well just the two of us and and it just like it felt like it was all slotting into place and with these 25 weddings as I was just leaving Thorpe Park um, a lady that ran her own agency came to me and she said I've seen you you're amazing come and work for me and I was like I don't really want to work for someone else if it means I have to go into an office I have to do a commute and all of that and she was like no 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 you work remotely for me and Thought Park said the same thing as well so they were like help us get through fright nights because that's their busiest period of time so I worked for Thought Park for two months I in between I was doing weddings and then I was also working for this lady in her agency helping her put everything together as well and everything was great and it was all going to plan and it was just like amazing and then on the 31st of October 2018 
I got a text from her and I was on set on this morning. I'd taken all of the scare actors down to this morning and they were all doing their thing with a great big kind of like, you know, carnival festival thing. And it was brilliant. And she messaged me and she said, I can't pay you anymore. And I was like, what? And it was my mm. final day that I'd been working at Thought Park. So all my money for Thought Park was going to end. And then she just messaged me and said, I'm really sorry, I can't pay you from next week. And with no notice, literally the rug was pulled out from under my feet. Now I've been sensible in terms of all of the money that I'd had coming in from Thought Park I'd set to one side. I hadn't spent any of it because I wasn't sure what was going to happen and everything else. And I was in a position where, yes, okay, I I was doing all of those weddings, but that money had gone and I'd been living off the money that the lady had been paying me and that had just gone. And so I had probably had enough to get me through November, December, but I didn't know how I was going to pay the mortgage in January. And bearing in mind, I mean, my husband's lovely, but he's very, very patient. What you've had is someone that was in a very steady job who has left, who's gone to a maternity cover role. So that's uncertain. Then has stopped that role, has then eventually gone back into working and then has then quit a really well-paid job because she wants to be the mum on the school gates. And then all of a sudden now faced with, I don't know how to pay the mortgage. Um, I don't think we actually had that conversation because I couldn't allow him to, to, to face that kind of like, I didn't want to have that disappointment kind of conversation with him. And I just remember there was a moment where I sat on the kitchen floor in December 2018, crying my eyes out. And I was on the phone to my now business coach saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't do this. It's all awful. And I don't know where to go or what to do. And she was just like, I've got you. We're going to do this. We're going to sort you out and we're going to get you there. And I went over to hers and we sat down and we talked around everything. And she was just like, why have you not set up by yourself? And I was like, doing what? And she was like, uh, PR. And I was like, oh, well, um, I don't know. I guess I, I, oh, I don't know. Yeah. So <laughs> I basically, I set up by myself and by March 2019 I got everything together and everything in place and she was amazing like really amazing like I went live in her membership um, and she said to me right at the end of that live put out an offer and this was in the December and I was like so what do you think of this offer? And then I sent it to her and she was like, that is perfect. That's exactly what you do. That is how you're going to get clients. And I was like, okay, well, let's just see. I'm not sure about this, but let's just see. Um, I put out the offer and four people came to me straight away and bought that offer. And I was mm. like, oh my gosh, that's the mortgage. That's the mortgage for January. And then she came to me in January and she said, listen, I want you to do these strategy sessions with the people in my mastermind. And there's X number of people in the mastermind. Will you go in and do them? And I was like, of course, that was February's money for the mortgage. And I was just like, ah, maybe we might be able to do this. And from that point on, 
it was just like everything kept falling into place and I couldn't really understand why it is and in between all of this I was still writing children's books and I was also doing visits into schools and inspiring kids for that love of reading and writing so that side of things was still going on but being able to help others through strategic storytelling was just coming into its own and I was like well actually I can now help more people it doesn't just have to be kids you can do the kids side of things but you could also inspire women and women that are like you who want that flexibility who want to be there and who want to be present for their families and they can go on and become the best possible versions of themselves and help others through what it is that they do so yeah it's a very long story but it shows you how I needed to find that strategy but I also needed to work on my mindset to really get there yeah absolutely thank you Nicola there's so much I want to pick up on because your birth your rebirth story is a wonderful example of how we kind of go through these contraction moments where things are moving forward and then maybe they pause for a little while and you've got to wait for the next contraction and we see those as kind of stopping points and we're like oh it's not working nothing's going to go right and I'm going to go backwards and that's not what's happening it's that you're just pausing before the next kind of contraction and contractions are painful, right? They're not always easy and, and plain sailing. And so as you're going through those changes where you're changing role or something happens like you don't get paid and all of those kind of things come into play at the same time. And they are moving you forward, even though they're painful at the time when you're experiencing them. And I think what really struck me about your story is something that you said right at the beginning, which was that life was happening to you. And then you actually were able to see that, harness that, and realize that what you needed was for you to feel like you were making life happen for yourself and get back in the driver's seat a little bit. And it took you having a child there to really have the motivation and the passion and the love. And, you know, you mentioned love and that being really important. And that is such a powerful motivator, isn't it? Like just feeling the immense love that you feel for your child. And I saw you getting emotional as you talked about it. And that is the thing. Those moments are the things that allow us to have a rebirth because they're powerful enough and filled with love enough and filled with passion enough that we actually are driven to make a big, big change that we perhaps wouldn't have made in different circumstances. I and I think, think, yeah, I mean, I don't think that I would have gone on this entire journey if he wasn't with me. I like a hundred percent. And it's really interesting. But one of the things as a mum, like I felt like I couldn't sit on, you know, if you want to be anything, if you want to do anything, you just go for it, which is what I will always, always tell him. If he looked at me as his parent and as his role model and he couldn't see that I had done the same so I knew I didn't have a choice but to do it because otherwise I was living an unfulfilled life and from that point of view that doesn't inspire anyone and I think for me the point where it finally cemented was 
in lockdown actually and he was only five at that point and he walked into my office and I got really excited because I was bringing out my third children's book and I said oh my gosh James it's available on Amazon look and he looked at me and he went I want that I want to be an author and at that point I was just like that's it we have to show those that are inspired by us how to be inspired they like especially children they need role models they need to be able to see themselves in someone and that's why it's so important that we have representation across the board because then people can see themselves in a a sports person or an actor or an actress or whatever else it is like an author they need to see that there's someone like them that they too can be that person that they can aspire to something amazing yeah absolutely I I completely agree with you and I I love that message and I think that especially kind of following like the postnatal depression as well and you know that I had postnatal depression when I had Noah and having that project or that thing pulling you towards a way to get out of the abyss or feeling in that in that sort of very static space that depression creates that is another sort of very inspiring thing because not only was it driven by the fact that you wanted to get away from the pain that you were in but also it was taking you towards something that you really felt would make a difference and that would be inspiring to your own child and that would be inspiring to other children so it's using those painful experiences or, or being in those painful experiences and having something that just kind of is a link or an anchor that pulls you back out again. And that was very important for me as well when I had postnatal depression was finding something that I could do that I just felt motivated by and inspired by. So um, I think that's a, a useful tool for people to take away as well. If they're feeling in that kind of abyss, that finding something that just collects them again reconnects them to something is really important Nicola is there anything else that you'd like to leave us with actually I've got something I'd like you to leave us with if that's okay so I would love it if you could take us back to your your 40 year old self or maybe even an area that we we didn't explore but maybe another time we can explore is the things that were triggered when you had those feelings of um, separation anxiety and you felt that they were triggered by something previously So maybe take us back to um, the age that you were then and offer some advice to your younger self from yourself that you are now. What would you want to tell her? My 40-year-old self or child? Which way are we going? The child, I think that's always more powerful. I I, um, have given James an affirmation and he has to say it every single day. Um, And we always say it like, like first thing in the morning. And it is this. My name is Nicola, I'm amazing, I am awesome, I can do anything. And it's so important that obviously I give that to him as James, I don't necessarily, although I probably should do the affirmation myself every day, because it's so important that we imagine everything for ourselves. We don't curtail our dreams in any shape or form. We don't allow anyone else to tell us that we can't be, we can't do, and we can't have. And sometimes we will come up against 
people who for whatever reason are projecting their own fears their own insecurities on us that they will say you're never going to do that you're never going to be that you're never going to get there the biggest thing even as a child that I harnessed was I don't care I'm going to do it anyway and I think that's so important. And I would say to that child, you know you're gonna do it. You just it's just a matter of when. Enjoy the journey and go with it. But don't ever allow anyone to tell you you can't be, do, or have whatever it is that your heart desires. You have to carry on dreaming and imagining what is possible for you because it's all possible and a lot of that when I I remember just before I left that previous role we were on our way it was like the whole team the whole PR team and we were walking towards um, an events venue and that night um, we were up for an award I was up for an award a project that I'd worked on just by myself and just as we were walking up towards that um, event space, I was talking to a, a new member of the team. And she said to me, what do you really, really want to do? And I said, well, I really, really want to be a children's author. And my then boss at the time turned around, she overheard, and this is what I mean about non-supportive and everyone feeding in their own kind of insecurities and everything else. And she turned around and she went, you're never going to do that. And I wasn't in a brilliant place right then. I was literally undiagnosed postnatal depression, hiding it as best I could, not very well, admittedly, and separation anxiety. We went on to win that award that night. Bearing in mind, it had been my idea of the PR campaign. I'd overseen everything when I was heavily pregnant, gone off on maternity leave, come back, we were up for the award. And when we went up on stage and won that PRCA national award, she turned around and she said, the team, this is all for the team. And I didn't even get a mention. And it wow. literally just made me think, you have so many issues with me. Mm -hmm. It's nothing to do with me. Mm. Actually, at the end of the day, I am going to go on and do this. I am going to want to get there, but I had to dig really deeply to get there. It wasn't like I just clicked my fingers and went, right, there you go. Now I've brought out a, a children's book. I'm a successful children's author at all. I had to work really, really hard. But it's that self-belief and never giving up on yourself that will stand you in great stead for anything and that is what I would say to her never ever lose that belief in yourself and just ignore everyone else and stay in your own lane. Nicola that is so powerful thank you so much I think that there are a lot of us who would want to say that to their younger selves and certainly it kind of hits here when you say it as well thank you so much for sharing your story with us and being with us today and thank you everyone for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not download the Womb app? It's going to help you to understand what a rebirth is and how to have one for yourself. 
join in the chat rooms, download the materials and programs and get monthly coaching and monthly networking, all for the price of $6.99 a month. Download now in the App Store or Google Play Store.